Action Church, doing well today? We're doing good? This section here is good. I'm sure Oviedo, Sanford South is good. This section back here, I'm not sure yet. We're new, I'm Justin. Welcome to Action Church, it's gonna be okay. Like, where are all these crazy, a lot of people jumping around, there's lights everywhere, it's loud, so loud. Hey, week one, starting a brand new series of uh, a series collection of, of sermons out of the book of Nehemiah that we're calling Brick by Brick. Uh, and it's important we go on this journey together because we're starting uh, a season that we do every single year at, at Action Church, and we call it our, our expansion season, building up to our expansion offering. See, at Action Church, we, we don't really do fundraisers, we don't do pledges, we believe in the faithful giving of tithes and offerings, and then once a year, we come together uh, to expand our ability to reach people where they are and connect them to everything God has for their life, and we do that on the second Sunday of the month uh, in December as our expansion offering, and I, I can't wait to share with you in the coming weeks all that we did together from last year's offering, the plans we have for, for this year's Offering, but we need to we need to begin to build because God is calling us to to grow to expand. Isaiah fifty four says this. Put it on the screen, team. It says enlarge. Everybody say enlarge. Enlarge or expand the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Go on to the next slide. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. We're called to, to grow, we're called to expand, and we're, we're called to build. That's what we're gonna talk about over the next three weeks. I wanna correlate Nehemiah's journey in traveling back from Persia to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall around the city, the wall and the gates. We'll talk specifically about the gates and the, the sections of the wall next week. But he traveled back to, to rebuild something that was destroyed when Babylon took over Jerusalem and exiled and the Jews began to, to spread out into captivity and into exile. Brick by brick, Nehemiah rebuilt the wall in 52 days. I wanna give you some background. Just, just, just bear, bear with me for a second. We're going a little old school today. Come on, anybody, anybody grow up in a little old school church? Four of you. That's kind of what I figured. <laughs> uh, somebody Oviedo knows what I'm talking about. Come on, we're going to go a little, little lesson, a little history lesson for the next five to seven minutes. So just buckle up. Some of you are going to have like some flashbacks to college, but you know, you're fine. It's five to seven minutes. I can see you. Anybody else just thought that the teacher or pastors couldn't see you when you're growing up? Like they never noticed. Like we notice. We can see you. Like I can see you. And through technology, the Spirit of God can see you, sir, right now on row four at Sanford. Somebody elbow him. I haven't even started yet and you're asleep. Brick by, by brick. I'll give you some historical context to, to Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is actually a continuation of the book of, of Ezra. And we'll, we'll study in just a moment that Ezra was 15 years or so ahead of Nehemiah going back to Jerusalem. And he really came in to, to instill or install the spiritual leadership uh, of, of, of what was going on in Jerusalem. The, the book of Nehemiah is actually compiled from Nehemiah's memoirs, and most scholars believe was most likely written by Ezra as a continuation of the book of Ezra through Nehemiah's journals and memoirs, obviously all inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The timeline for this book is about 445 B.C., and this was fascinating to me. I don't know if you've heard this before. Nehemiah uh, is actually chronologically last, the last book written in the 
Old Testament, that if you look at the time frame that Nehemiah would have been rebuilding Jerusalem, it would have been the last thing that was happening documented in the Old Testament before Jesus would come some years later. And for, for kind of uh, parallels, Malachi would have been prophesying during the time that Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall. So some background on Nehemiah. Nehemiah's name in Hebrew, the original language means God's comfort. He, he was a Jew who was born and raised among the Jewish exiles in Persia, which was formerly known as Babylon. So Babylon taken over by Persia. Now Nehemiah is in the king's service in Persia and he's traveling back to, to rebuild the city of his ancestors. We'll get to that in just a moment. When he was back there, he was appointed governor of Judea for the 12 years he, he lived there. And I need you to hear this today, that, that Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. That's gonna be important in just a moment. There's 12 prayers recorded in this book, and Nehemiah, before he did anything for God, he spent time with God. Nehemiah would have been the cupbearer, which is important because he had the, the, the ear of the king. The cupbearer was so much more than just somebody that would serve or wait or test the drinks or the food of, uh, uh, of the king, uh, of the emperor. He was somebody that would be trusted. He was the, the right-hand man. He held a position of high honor in the court of the king, and he would have been trusted as a confidant or advisor to King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah would have been trusted in all matters, it's not known why he was promoted to such a prominent position, but we'll see throughout these first few chapters of Nehemiah that he had the explicit trust of the king. A couple more things that are fascinating to me as we build up and start reading in Nehemiah 1 is this, is that there's three different waves that come in. There was a wave that came in to, to rebuild the temple, and they rebuilt the temple first. Then Ezra leads a group and raises up the spiritual leaders or the, the pastors to, then, to be spiritual leaders in Jerusalem, in the community. Then God comes in and builds the wall, the practical protection for the people. It's really important that you catch that, that God, when he was re rebuilding his chosen people's city, Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, that he started with the spiritual thing first, then leadership, then protection. You would think if we gotta rebuild, we gotta build the, the wall first, the protection first. No, 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 we start building on the most important thing and that's our relationship with God. That there was one wave that built the church, there was another wave that built up leadership and then now we're gonna study Nehemiah building the practical wall and that's really where you and I all fit in. We all have a part to play in building practical things for the kingdom of God. We may not be able to build everything but all of us can build Something, we'll talk about that next week, our section of the wall, just brick by brick. The bricks were there, all there. They were in ruins, actually. A lot of, there was sections of the wall missing. There were gates that were burned, but a lot of the, the tools, a lot of the resource, a lot of the bricks were just like this. They were scattered, they were disheveled, but, but they were there, and the mission was clear, and that mission was to rebuild the wall for protection. From that context, let's start reading in Nehemiah chapter one. It says, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me and some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. He asked some, some questions. How's everybody doing? How, how's my family? How's it, how's it going over there? They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. 
The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, this is Nehemiah, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of, of heaven. He said, hey, how's everybody doing? And then he heard they're not doing well. And when he recognized that, he, he mourned and he prayed and he fasted. Write this down. If we're gonna build what God is calling us to build, his church, just brick by brick, just like this wall, the first thing we have to do, Nehemiah chapter one, is we have to recognize the need. He didn't know. He was living his life and his kingdom and the king's court, everything was good. But when he opened up the blinds, when he opened up the door, when he opened up the window, he found out, no, there are people that are hurting. And unless your head is buried in the sand, it doesn't take very much intentionality to look into our world and see that, that there's a lot of needs to be met. And if we're gonna build the, the church, if we're gonna build the kingdom of God brick by brick, it starts with, with us acknowledging the needs and then meeting them. Well, that's what we've done since day one of Action Church. I remember before we were church, eight months before, we were at Winter Springs High School, every single football game, picking up trash in our red shirts, just letting people know the church wants something for them, not something from them. There are needs to be met. We have to acknowledge that there are thousands of homeless kids in Seminole and Orange County that don't know where they're gonna go to sleep at night after they get home from school, that the only meals they're gonna get are at school or what they take home from school. We have to acknowledge that those are, are needs that need to be met. We have to acknowledge that there are positions in high schools which we're filling with chaplaincies and, and meeting with the, the principals, the chaplaincy of the Seminole Fire Department and Police Department, everything we're doing. There are needs that need to be met and you and I have to acknowledge that they're there. Through our action recovery and through our recovery homes that we partner with, through our Christmas store, through so many different things, there are needs that need to be met. And here's the thing, write this down. We can't just recognize the needs. Come on, Action Church, we gotta realize it's our responsibility. It's not somebody else's. Unpopular opinion. It's not the government's job. It's our job. God gave us the power through the Holy Spirit to meet the needs of people. We have to acknowledge that there are needs around us and we have to realize it's not somebody else's responsibility, it's our responsibility. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. You know how God is building his church, meeting one person's need at a time. It's our job. Just mentioned government and it gets quiet in the church today. Man. <laughs> that was like super calm, it's gonna get way worse. I've been off for two weeks. Here we go, chapter two. We gotta realize it's our responsibility. Check this out. Early the following spring in the month of the sun, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire, the king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah 
to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The responsibility was so heavy on Nehemiah that everybody noticed. Now, I'm not saying lose your joy for the Lord. I'm not saying walk around with your head held low. I'm just saying the burden in which a Christ follower should have for those that are hurting around us should be visible. That responsibility should be something that knows what's wrong with you. Well, I just met with somebody or I just heard about this. We've got to do something with this. When we, when we recognize the need, we must realize it's our responsibility to do something about it. But you know what I found that for too many of us, why we, why we don't do this is because we think it's, we think it's their problem. It's, it's them. What I found is when you walk through something tough and you begin to realize that what's happening to them could happen to anybody and it becomes a us, it's no longer a them or they, it's a we and us. And from the place of empathy, we can actually connect and make a difference. Let me, let me say it this way. I wanna go step by step. Let's think about this. Week. Our experience produces empathy. Our, our empathy our empathy produces connection. Because once you've experienced something that somebody else has experienced, you're forever connected. I know what it's like. I know what it feels like. Our connection, come on, catch this, it produces relationships. Our relationships produce real change in us and through us. Wrote this down. My job is to do what I can with what I've been given, with the time I have left. My job is to do what I can with what I've been given, with the time that I have left. Quiet in here. Brick by brick, we're gonna build what God is building. I'm just here to tell you, the time for talk is over. The time for arguing is over. The time for idleness is, is over. There are real needs and it is your responsibility. And God is looking for people, not perfect people, not great people, just somebody that can pick up a couple bricks and put them where they're supposed to go. Say, Pastor, I'm overwhelmed, I'm in ruins. It doesn't matter, God can build it with imperfect things on the only perfect thing and that's the relationship with Jesus. There's just too much talk and not enough action. We got the way right when it comes to Christians, they wanna argue about everything. Well, I don't agree with this, and I don't like this, and I don't like that, and what do you believe about that? Who cares? Why? Is it important? Yes. Should you go to school? Yes. Should you know your Bible? Yes. But why do we as Christians spend so many times arguing about non-eternal things when people are dying and going to eternity without God? It's a waste of time. Do that on your day off. Then you got the far left, the progressive, they're just trying to change everything and deconstruct everything and tear everything down. And neither one of those are building the thing God is building. It's divisive, it's ugly, and it has no part in the kingdom of God. We're talking too much about things as opposed to actually doing things that help and serve people. 
It's too big, Pastor. It's too, it's the, the, the project is too big. It's not too big when you scale it brick by, by, by brick. We've got, to, we've got to realize it's our responsibility. Here's the third thing. We've got to respond. We've got to respond accordingly. We've got to respond accordingly. Verse five through 10, let's read it together. It says, uh, starting verse six, the king with his queen beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors, the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gate to the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. When I came to the governors of the province of uh, the west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letter to them. The king, I should add, had sent along with me army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sambalat, the uh, Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. He went with a mission, a clear mission to rebuild this, this wall. And this wall was not like a retaining wall in your front yard. I think sometimes we think, like we see Nehemiah, and we're like, oh, he built a wall in 52 days. That's what it took, 52 days, that's it. Oh yeah, he went and stacked a little retaining wall, beautification project. No, it was 1.8 miles in length. 40 feet tall and 8.7 feet thick. And 1,000 men did that in 52 days. We see that because 822 are mentioned from their families, about 250 from the head of household. So roughly 1,000 men did that in 52 days. How many, of you, would you, how many of you would agree we need those men on the I-4 project? Anybody? I mean, just in Jesus' name, just here I am, Lord, send me. We need somebody. God, we need a Nehemiah. Would there be a Nehemiah that would come to Orlando for God's people and rebuild the road? It's a big project, a clear Mission, you and I, you say, Pastor, it's too big. It's not too big if we just build our section. We'll talk about that next week. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we have a clear mission. That's to reach people where they are and connect them to everything God has for their life. Why expand? Because we need more locations to have more services, to have more outreaches, to have more groups, to have more teams, to have more missions projects, to partner with more schools and more communities to help more people. We don't have 1,000 people. I looked up this week. We have over 20,000 people active in our database right now. You don't gotta pick up a whole lot of bricks when you got 20,000 people laying them. It's not about how much you can do, it's being faithful what you've been given. And they have a time limit in this. And Xerxes says, hey, make sure you come back soon. Gave him a time limit. And you and I have a time limit. What is it? I don't know. But it's less time than it was yesterday. And we have people, we're saying, hey, I'll, I'll do that next week, next season. When I, what if there is no next week, next season for all of us or for, for them? And we have a part to play. And I never wanna give you a challenge without a practical next step. For some of you, the next step is going to action steps next week and finding your gifts, finding your place on the wall, finding your section to build. And I'll spend most of the next week talking about that, so I won't waste any more time today, but that's next week at all of our locations. We'll have action steps for you. But for all of us, it is about trusting God with what he's given us to play our part in investing and building the wall. 
All of us have been given something in the form of resource that God says, hey, I need that to build what I'm calling us to build. The ruins were there. A lot of the material were there. But without the king trusting Nehemiah, without the king's investment of protection, timber, of leadership, of resource, the wall's never built. What I'm asking is what is missing or what could happen? We said that, what could happen on the other side of you and I trusting like the king trusted? Because giving is all about trust. Make no mistake about it. And before you get all offended, why are we talking about giving? Because the Bible talks about giving more than any other topic. Why? Because God knows if you trust him with your resource, with your investment, with your finances, more often than not, you'll trust him with everything else. Why do we have such a tough time trusting God with our money? Well, maybe you don't trust us as a church, and that's fine. Ask some questions. If you don't like the answers, find a church you can trust. There's a lot of great ones. We'd love to be a part of what God's doing. We'd love for you to help build our section of the wall, but just go build a wall somewhere. If you don't trust us, that's fine. Ask some questions, kick the tires. If you don't like the answers, go somewhere else. That's good, that's good, Pastor. We'll miss you. Some of you miss more than others, but we'll miss you. Just kidding. That's true. Um, But why? Why do we have such a tough time trusting God? We trust everybody else. I was just at a hotel the past couple weeks traveling and speaking. I give a guy my bag and money to take my stuff from me. Hey, bub, never met you before. Here's $10. Take my bag where I don't see it. I don't know you. Billy, where, I, hope, I hope it gets to my room. Come on, you worked for years to get that car. You drop it off to any guy in a red polo shirt. Here you go. See you later. He's like, have a nice dinner. I'm just gonna start dressing up like a valet driver and stealing cars. It's a great side business. Anything short of sin, I'll use the proceeds to fund the kingdom. I think it's a good idea. Just kidding, just kidding. We do it with our children. You've never met those child care workers. You've never met our action kids. People are like, here. Here's my son. Let's be honest. We don't really care who it is. Just please, just give me a break. Just, in fact, you look healthy. Just take them. Just here. I've done all I could. Without the king's trust, there's no wall. And I'm just here, you, here to tell you today that God will, will do and can do whatever he wants through our church, but I believe he's calling you to trust him because I believe you and I have a part in building the wall. Let me be really clear what I'm talking about with expansion offering and giving. Giving and generosity is what you give out of your own money. It's not the tithe. Because the tithe is very clearly God's. All throughout the Old Testament, even before the law, God talked about returning your first fruits, then we have it in the law, and then Jesus takes it to another level. So you cannot be generous with God's money. That's just obedience. So faithful tithing to the local church is just obedience. Generosity starts after that. And if you don't give, it's about trust. But can I, can I give you a first step? I, I think this is gonna help somebody. If you can't trust, I have another option for you. Malachi chapter three. Verse 10, the same time frame that we're reading here in the book of Nehemiah, Malachi writes to the people of God and he says, because you have not brought in the whole tithe into the storehouse, you will be cursed. But if you do, return to God what is his, you will be blessed. The next verse says, test me in this. Test me. Test. 
Here's what I believe God told me this week in, in, in terms of our church and people that, that, that don't give yet. And I just want you to know, we are the most generous church I've ever been a part of. I am so grateful for what we get to do together. But if you're new or if you're on the sidelines or if you haven't trusted yet, I'm not even asking you to trust this season. I'm asking you to test. Test God. And here's what will happen. You will see that his promises are true and that he always returns faithful. And what you will see is you can do more with God than you can apart from God. And here's what I know. You may start with testing, but after you test him, he will prove himself faithful. And then a trusting relationship begins to build and you and I, all of us together, can begin to stack brick by brick. If we're gonna go on this journey, we're gonna have some opposition. We're gonna talk about that in the coming weeks. And so we're gonna need before we build with God, we're gonna need God to build something in us. Before Nehemiah leaves, he prays. He's a man of prayer. Let's go back to verse four through verse 10, team. I wanna read his prayer to you. So when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, this is his prayer. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me pray night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we've sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave through your servant Moses. Can I just encourage somebody today? You don't have to be perfect for God to use you. Nehemiah, whole book of the Bible about him. Rebuilt the wall, chapter one. Me and my family have sinned and fallen short. We are not worthy. Nobody that God is using, he's using because they're worthy. He's using them because of Jesus' worth on the cross and then us just surrendering our life to his, his leading. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you're unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, that even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, doesn't matter how far you've run, how far you've gone, how scattered you feel. If you will return, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today while making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Before he raised the resources, before he built the team, before he stood on the wall, before he went through the attack, before he did anything, he went to God in prayer. If you and I are gonna go on a season of expanding our ability to reach and connect, if we're gonna go into a season of a church of building what God is calling us to build brick by brick, it cannot start even with resource, investment, or work, it has to start with a relationship. God has to build something in us before he uses us to build something through us and for him. What are some things that would keep us, that would keep us from, from building today, coming back and returning and, and rebuilding? You may say, hey, Pastor, I didn't realize there was a need. Well, you no longer get that excuse. And you may should like make some practical change in your life to get, you may need some help if you didn't realize there was a need. But no more excuses. The excuse may be, well, it's too, too disheveled, it's too ruined, my life that is. God can't use somebody like me. No, he can't. He can and he will. 
what I've seen is some of the craziest stories turn into some of the craziest testimonies. When we give God our brokenness, it's amazing how he puts it back together. Pastor, it's too much. It's too long. It is by yourself. That's why God said he's building his church, the body of Christ, because it's not too big when it's all of us together. I'll leave you this final challenge. Nothing was ever accomplished or built by watching or making excuses. It's by taking your next step of picking up what God has for you. So for you today, it could be using your gifts, it could be using your resources, it could be fasting and praying so that God begins to meet you there in your time of need. Maybe there's some broken things, there's some things and ruins in your life that he needs to heal up. Whatever it is, I'm just asking you to say, God, use me. But before you use me, do something in me, whatever that is, allow him to do it. I believe he's gonna build you back brick by brick so they can use the rebuilt version of you to rebuild and restore others. I can't wait to see what God can do on the other side of our obedience if we will operate like what we've learned today from Nehemiah 1 and 2. Would you bow your heads at all of our locations, every head bowed, every eye closed. We love you. Praise you. Thank you for your word in Nehemiah 1 and 2. Hey, I wanna do this. Talked about in Nehemiah 1, this prayer of people being scattered. I just, I feel like God gave me that picture this week that there are those of you in this room here at Winter Park, at Sanford, at South, at Oviedo, worshiping online. You feel scattered, exiled even, maybe hurt. Maybe somebody hurt you, abused you. Maybe you made some decisions where you hurt others. For whatever reason, you're, you're running from the things of God. And I feel like today, reading that, that passage, that if you will just return, he's waiting to use you, to rebuild you, to repurpose you. Give him that access today. Come on, he sent his one and only son Jesus to die for that access. The Bible tells us Jesus, the second part of the Trinity, the son of God, made himself fully human. He came in and entered this earth because you and I as unholy people could never be reconciled to a holy God. So Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice, living a perfect life, and that's important because it deemed him worthy to be the perfect sacrifice for you and for me. We like to say he, he lived for you so he could die as you, like in your place, the greatest exchange ever, our sin for his righteousness. His death gives us access to forgiveness, grace, salvation. His resurrection gives us access to, to victory, power over sin in the grave. And you're one decision away. Now the Bible calls to be a disciple, but to be a disciple, you have to make a decision to repent, to turn, and to follow. I believe that decision could be today. The best decision you could ever make in your life, to follow Jesus, to give him access to everything. How do I do it, Pastor? Simply surrender. You're gonna surrender control today. Give him access to everything. Say, Jesus, have your way in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit, in my soul. I'd like to lead you in a prayer to to symbolize that decision you're making, to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If you'd like to be included in that prayer today at all of our locations for the first time, or maybe you just feel scattered in exile, and today's more of a return or a recommitment. So come on, first time or recommit. Would you just raise your hand right where you are saying, I'm returning, coming back. Got one, two, three, 
Anybody else say, I wanna follow Jesus today, yeah. Yep, gotcha. Yep, two or three more over here, proud of you. The stadium, yes. Sanford, South, Oviedo. A couple more back there, proud of you. See you, yeah. Put your hands down. Just pray this in your hearts. I pray, I'll say this, say, God, I love you. God, I thank you for saving me. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. And I'm giving you that place, say, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us. I'm gonna take us on a journey that we would recognize the needs around us. God, it's our responsibility to seek you and ask if, if we're the one to meet that need, whether it be financial, relational, practical. God, it's our responsibility to help those you've put around us and then we'd respond accordingly. To live our life in pursuit of you, loving you, and serving people well. God, we are going to be faithful with our section of the wall. We're gonna build it one brick at a time. Our imperfection on the perfect cornerstone of Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to play this part in this season. We love you. We praise you in this place. Everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Can we give it up for all the people that just made a decision? So proud of you.